0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that have led them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. What is good, y'all? Welcome back to the show. Today, super excited for our special guest. We have the one and only Mr. Michael Lucas. Uh, Mikey Lucas has been in the sustainable energy business development and marketing across several business sectors for over a decade. As an entrepreneur, he started multiple eight-figure companies, including a commercial solar company. He has consulted over 200 companies in his career in the space. His entrepreneurial background spans multiple industries, including renewable energy, real estate, cryptocurrency, and technology. He currently leads the strategic planning and business development efforts for the American Energy Fund. He's an awesome, awesome newly husband, an awesome leader, and uh, a good friend of mine as well. So welcome to the show, man. Steven, thanks for having me. Of course, bro. I know it's a Sunday. We typically don't do these on Sundays, so I appreciate you making time. And uh, I know you're in town for a few days, so we wanted to, wanted to knock it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, brother. So for those that don't know who you are, give a quick little brief background about who you are, what you're about, and we'll get into it.
1: Yeah, so Mikey Lucas, born and raised in Las Vegas. Um, come from a, a, a big family, a family of four. Uh, that's now a family of, I think, five or six. And I um, grew up growing up and then we got you know married in a couple more, a couple more uh, brothers. And um, yeah, dude, I played. I'm a three-sport athlete. Uh, I got cut for my senior year of baseball. I thought I was going to go pro. I played ball, you know, around guys like Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo, um, Johnny Fields, which you know, you know, these guys, uh, Roman Easter, guys that you know, Aaron Blair, guys that played professional ball. I got cut my senior year, um, got dumped my senior year uh, or my freshman year of college uh, from my high school sweetheart girl. I thought I was going to, you know, I was going to marry, and um, you know, I, I, I realized that it was it was a uh, it was you know I really had two choices. I can go and be you know the industry Vegas kid, or I can go and do what all of my great uncles had done. And they're all superpreneurs, all multimillionaires made major impact. And, uh, you know, I decided to, you know, decided to get around the right people, you know, got into originally got into multi level marketing, got around people that like were about personal development, self mastery, and, uh, obviously got recruited into door to door in uh, 2012, 2013, started knocking doors, got my teeth kicked in. I sucked. Yeah. I now it was terrible. I was really bad. Aren't but, we all? but I knew that I was like, okay, like if these kids are, that really wouldn't be even starting. It, they wouldn't even be on the practice squad uh, in high school. I was like, oh, OK, well, I, you know, I just got I'm just a couple months behind these guys. So I just did what they told me to do. And here I am today.
0: Let's Sorry. go, man. Uh, it's, it's so interesting because we went to similar high schools. You went to Centennial. I went to Cimarron. We have some mutual friends. We didn't really know each other in high school. And it wasn't until solar that our, our paths crossed and other industries, actually. And me and you both have mutual friends and we know people from high school growing up in Vegas that to your point, when you said you had two decisions, you can either essentially conform and go the route of the industry or go get a normal nine to five like a lot of people do, which there's nothing wrong with that depending on their goals. But you chose entrepreneurship and through that decision, uh, got exposed to multiple different industries and now, you know, a big part of who you are today where do you think that comes from? Do you think entrepreneur spirit is something you're born with, or is that something that is created along your journey? That's a great
1: question. Um, I've heard both answers both ways. I think how it worked out for me was my parents were not, um, I wouldn't say failed entrepreneurs. My mom's a successful entrepreneur as a real estate agent. Um, my dad was a failed entrepreneur, um, had, a, had a restaurant in San Diego and it, and it, it shut down. But his uh, his uh, uncles, So my, my, my dad's mom's older brothers, all were entrepreneurial. My mom's grand, my mom's dad was not entrepreneurial, but my mom's dad's brothers were all business owners. So I don't, I don't want to say that it was, I was born with it necessarily, but I definitely was exposed to it. You know, I'd go to my uncle's shops in New York and, you know, the hardware stores and then hear about, you know, them losing, losing their store because Home Depot came in kind of thing. And, um, you know, hear about the boats my uncle's, my, the tuna boats my, my other uncle's own in San Diego. So I don't want to say I was born with it, but I was definitely exposed to it. And um, I don't know, dude, I think it was just down to the, you know, I had nothing to lose. So I, I, I just,
0: I was a fighter, man. I got that dog, so. Amen, man. We both started a network marketing and then transitioned to direct sales door to door. What do you think that you learned in those two industries or maybe even network marketing in terms of maybe mindset, skill set that you feel like has equated to some of the success you have right now?
1: Oh, dude, um, <laughs> I would say I would say guys that are less, less talented than me um, or the guys that you, you that are listening to this, guys guys, girls that are listening to this, um, The thing is that those people that were there that I saw initially that were winning were not as were not as good as I was. Um, and I, I, obviously at the time I wasn't good at all, but I was like, these guys aren't really that good. They just stayed consistent and it was just an action thing mm. and they, they just didn't quit. And I, and I see that it's a big problem in entrepreneurs, uh, you know, 20 and 30 year olds, millennials. And, uh, we just quit too soon. Um, I don't know why I, I just, I'm like. You don't take on the responsibility of like being able to pay for your mom's medical bills if that ever comes up. What about you know sending your kids to the you know the best schools that they can be around you know you know other other parents that are very highly successful. Maybe you might be the small fish in a big big ocean, but at the very least, you know that's that. So yeah, I don't know if I was born with it or not, but that's that.
0: Yeah, man, it's interesting that you say that because I, I had a conversation with a buddy, a, a sales rep of mine, who maybe may or may not be listening uh, when this comes out, but. Uh, you know, he's gone through some trials and tribulations. He's been in solar for a really long time in door to door, but hasn't really had the results consistently, Mm. uh, that I feel like he deserves and and that he believes he deserves. Um, And I was wondering, you know, we had a conversation, and I feel like his big thing, and I think this is the same for most people, and you touched on this, is they don't put themselves in situations in order to feel the pressure to really go out there and perform. You know, for me, I always had a lot of inspiration and a lot of inner fire. I didn't necessarily need anyone to hold me accountable to the things that I wanted to over my career, because I always put myself in situations where, you know, I was helping my parents or I was helping this, or I put myself there in a do or die situation. Therefore, typically you're going to do. And I feel like a lot of people, they don't put themselves in a situation to really see what they're made of. Therefore they end up quitting or drifting. Do you agree with that or or why do you what, what is that missing component for most people when they quit on something that could give them a big upside long term? Honestly, um, I think
1: it's just clarity. I think what's really come down to it is clarity. Um, and it, you know, again, it's dude, it's honestly it's a pretty simple formula. I think that what you put in garbage in, millionaire out. What? Garbage in, billionaire out? Steven, that's not how that works. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. So that's that's my that's my opinion. I would say that you know it comes down to, I don't, I didn't. I mean, every entrepreneur you've ever interviewed on the sh- on your show, I've seen it, has always said that they've they've struggled with you know self doubt, you know self pity. Like we've all struggled with that. But what do you? Where are you going? And there's a there's a quote that I have on my mirror, and, I, and it's one of the best quotes of, I I hold near and dear to is that my, my direction determines my destination. Mm. Most people really, that's why the coaching business is such a, you know, it's a trillion dollar business or whatever, right? It's like it's so much money in it, whether it's personal finance, personal training, whatever, right? Marriage coaching, all of that, you know, solar sales, sales coaching, is because all we do as leaders is point to the better future for them. As long as you can point to the better future for them, you know they can at least see it. It's almost like we have to like peel back the layers of the onion for a lot of these um, our people. And, and as a leader, you should be doing that. And if you're not doing that, then you're failing your people.
0: Agreed. When you're coming up, you know, I have so many people on the show that, you know, they talk about, oh, I had this mentor, I had that mentor. And one of the most asked questions I get are, how do you freaking find a mentor? Uh, You know, it's not like you can go ask a gazillionaire to take them out to lunch and they're going to (laughs) say, yes, because chances are they're too busy and they're going to charge you more than you can probably afford. When it came to you cutting your teeth in the industry and starting to create some success, how did you find mentors or did you not have a mentor and you just kind of figured it out on your way? I'm going to give you the, the, the easiest way
1: to do this. So if you're listening, listen up. I had no money. I'm talking $0 negative. Uh, but what I did have was enough money to pay for my, at that time, T-Mobile bill. And I went on YouTube and I would watch Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, and I would study these things, man. I stopped listening to Lil Wayne stop listening to drake i stopped listening to i actually like them backstreet boys and i started listening to i started listening to uh to to those guys so there is no excuse anymore if you want to lose weight if you want to gain weight you want a bigger chest you want you whatever you know you want better abs six-pack abs you want money brother it's not it there's i don't i have almost no sympathy i have empathy for people there's no sympathy anymore i don't because the key there is like what Tony Robbins always said to us was that, you know, you have to become resourceful. Mm. So, brother, it is a matter of going on YouTube and just studying these things. But the hard thing is that we are so addicted to uh, I ain't got no job, but I'm still fly. <laughs> got a quarter tank of gas in my new E class. Like we're, we're so we're so addicted to like bumping music in our car. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, I turned my car into a classroom. I, I heard, uh, I forget where it was, but I was in 2015 and realized that if you, the average person drives the equivalent to a uh, I believe it's an associate's degree in two years or, or it's, it might've might been a bachelor degree in two years. And I'm like the average, I'm like, shucks, I just did my insurance. And I'm like, I'm about to drive 30,000. So that's like almost more than double. I am mm. like I'll get a doctorate in about three years. If I just turn my car into a classroom, sure. Is it, you know, as exciting? No, but. At the end of the day, I was like, what do I, what do I want? So free, $15. Like YouTube has free books. Like go look at Rich Dad Poor Dad on YouTube, and it's there. And speed it up. You can even speed it I Me mean, and, and then ideally, you pay $10 a month to, to YouTube for a YouTube premium, and you get away from the ads. That's your first mentor. It's investing in yourself $10 a month to YouTube ads.
0: YouTube University, Audible Academy, man, you're speaking my language because it it blows my mind. I mean, we've been in the industry for over a decade, whether you want to call network marketing, direct yeah. sales. And, you know, we've probably worked with, trained, coached, been mentored by, associated with thousands of people, young people for the most part, some older, some young, but people that want to get away from the status quo and that want bigger and better things for their life and they choose this vehicle as the vehicle to get there. But as you know, Mikey, you know, I would say 70, 80 percent of the people that show up day one aren't there a year or two or three years later. And I think you hit it on the head, man. It's cause they're not developing. They're not obsessed with improvement. They're not going out there to work on themselves because ultimately, you know, wherever you go, you bring yourself with you. So your biggest asset in life, as we all know, is yourself, but most people aren't intentionally investing in themselves. Why do you think that is? I know you're a type of guy that spend, you know, tens of potentially even of hundred thousands of dollars on masterminds, trainings, courses. Why do you think the average person who wants success, or at least says they want success, can't get out of their own way to invest in their self-education? For
1: the record, I spend 100, 000, over $100,000 a year in personal development, mastermind groups like that, and courses and coaching. Um, the last three years I've done that. And before it was like at least 60 grand a year. And then the first one was 30 grand a year, which was Thrive Connect with Cole Hatter. Um, one, I, the reason why I upped that was because I started seeing a return um, just by uh, proximity alone. Why people don't, to answer your question, Stephen, why don't people do that? It's because, again, garbage in, billionaire out. It's They, they have this idea that what got me here is going to get me there to the next level. And it's incorrect. You have to be transformed. You have to be renewed. You have to, you cannot conform to the old ways of your, of your lifestyle. If you want to have a different lifestyle, if you want, and I'm not talking Bugattis and freaking baller jets. I'm talking like paying for, you know, your, your, your brother, your brother can't do this or that or whatever. Your, your mother needs help with her medical bills. I I say that a lot, but it's true. It's like most, most of the guys in the solar industry can't pay if their mom got sick, their dad got sick, or well, their brother or sister got sick, they can't pay for the, me- the medical treatment. They got to like try to you know go through whatever. So, uh, get in advance. Yeah, exactly right. So had an advance. Oh my lord! Okay. And they haven't uh, they haven't put any doors on that they haven't put any doors in their door knocking app for like two weeks. Can I get an advance? Oh lord! I'll give you started with that. Um, no, I think the main reason why, brother, is just that uh, I think people um, they just they just have a hard time with self pity, self hate. We don't, we don't, um, we, we got like the way I look at it or the way I've studied it is now the way I look at it now is that we, we got out of this, the 70s, the peace, love, like hippie generation. And in this like love who you are, kind of like you be you and you being you is actually leading our generation, the men and women, 20, 30 year olds to destruction. It's a, it's a slippery slope and it's very, very, very hard To live that you do you lifestyle. I mean, it's very complicated. I don't push my beliefs on people. Um, I'm obviously Christian. I talk about that all the time. But uh, as far as like, you know, who you want to marry, dude, whatever, bro, you want to do that, go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to judge people for who they are. That's why people think like, oh, Mike uses whatever. But you know, Steven, it's, it's self hate, man. People just don't accept the fact that they can be someone that can make a difference because they're living in regret. They're living in uh, they're living in uh, shame and guilt of of something and uh, you know I I um, I've been sober now for a little over 11 years from synthetic heroin I was taking 600 milligrams of oxycontin a day at my peak and uh, the pills that I was using and used with other people people have died which means they lost their sons they lost their daughters that weight Stephen was the was the hardest weight to ever get through uh, it wasn't getting over it it was I had to go through that thing that was that was very complicated but most people again are living in guilt and and shame and it's, that's why they can't get over the, and they can't get over, they can't get to the next level as as far as their personal success. But then also at the same time, they can't get to um, just loving who they are and being present. And and then not only that, they, again, back to the clarity thing, they are doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it so they can have the jet so that then it's, it's really, it's an acceptance thing. People want to be, men want to be respected. Women want to be loved, generally speaking. And uh, you know, men want to be respected. They think you'll be respected when I show up in the cool Tesla or the cool Rolls Royce or the cool, you know, private jet, like those are all fine and dandy, you no, know, but that's a byproduct of who you are. So Jim Rome says, you know, it's not what you get. It's who you
0: become. hundred mm. percent, man. And I, I agree with you. And, you know, I'll touch on this point, you know, after being in the personal development space for over a decade and studying a lot of the people that you studied um, and just seeing people who I started with who either became successful or not successful and success means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, But every single person that I've studied, admired, uh, have a relationship with who I respect, um, they've gone through some type of big trial and tribulation. And a lot of times they use that as the turning point in their life to stop being victim, to stop having self-pity. A lot of the things that you've spoken about, because I agree, and they use that as the catapult to create their new life. For me, it was the same thing. You know, you get to a decision where you're in a situation where you either are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you either choose one way or choose the other way. And that moment and that choice can change the trajectory of your life. Now, I think when people don't put themselves in a situation long enough to get to that moment to really have the ability to choose or maybe it's just a desire thing you know, maybe they just don't want it bad enough or they, to your point, want the bad things. I'm not sure what it is, but it frustrates me when I see so many people with so much potential out there, but they're not willing to do the small little micro decisions day in and day out that will lead to the ultimate result of them becoming a better person, which will attract them the best result. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mikey, you've run a successful podcast, you know, you've been doing it for longer than I've been doing it, you know, or you were an inspiration uh, to me to start a podcast. Um, It's all about direct sales door to door, a road to the golden door. So you've been able to interview, spend time with, you know, super successful people, top 1% of at least the door to door direct sales, specifically solar space. What are some attributes that you see interviewing all these people that you think are applicable to the average person out there trying to get to that level?
1: I actually write that down. Uh, so it's one of the things on, one, on my notes, I write that down, what attributes I'm trying to, trying to the goal, the goal really was, I don't know, I'll, I'll do something with it. I'll probably write a book on it or some sort of a workbook or something or course or whatever, right, or just use it for content. Um, I, I'm going to do something with it. But basically, the goal when I was running a solar company was I wanted, I wanted to figure out how to create a self-sustainable Golden Door award-winning sales professional. So a self-sustainable Golden Door award-winning sales pro, how do you do that? So you, you, it's almost like when you have like, you know, NBA or, uh, you know, NHL, 2K or whatever, like the 2K games, right? You can build your own character and you have like only certain amount of credits, right? Let's say you have a thousand, I haven't played freaking, first of all, I never really got to play in the first place, my brother's always played, but I watched him and uh, being the youngest boy of, of the group, um, I watched him it's like let's say you got a thousand points, right? You can only give, you know, to speed, athleticism, you know, your arm, whatever, your batting, let's say it's baseball, you're batting. And you can only give so much of that, so so unless you have the cheat code, because then you can give you know a thousand to or Game 100. Shark. Yeah, exactly, a hundred to all of them, dude. Game Shark, bro. Back in the day, wow, oh man. Um, but no, so how, how do you build that self sustainable Golden Door award-winning sales rep, that sales professional? Um, you know, the attributes that I see a lot of, um, which for the men out there, when you when you have children, one of the cool things I've, I've noticed is that over forty-five percent of them have been wrestlers. Mm. Um, a good chunk of them were, were Mormon missionaries. Um, they serve time with, you know, serving their church or their God, whatever. Right. And, and, um, that, that was, you know, that, those are like things that I'm like, oh, wow, that's, you know, that's interesting. Now that there's not like, you know, a large chunk that are not, but then it was, it was these guys that were able to focus on the, on the small actions. Oh, another thing was that I really noticed recently was almost every single one of them mentioned the book Atomic Habits. Hmm like, like the last 10 or 15 of them are reading the book Atomic habits right now. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I've read it like 10, 15 times now, but Great book. I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, cool. Like shout always, out James clear. Yeah, for real. Um, and these, these, a lot of these guys like study that book and they were quoting that book. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that was, I don't know, maybe that was a thing they like prepared before. And I don't really send notes out before to let them get prepared, but, um, that, and then, uh, do they just do the little things over time? Um, I asked them about, you know, what, what was their motivation? What were their hurdles? Um, their struggles they went through i bring them back to the year and most of them got into a rut wanted to quit mid-year or whenever the part of the year was whether it's quarter one two three or four whatever um, they all wanted to quit uh, they're just like me and you and i, I want i really built a, built the, the the platform for other golden award winners other top one percenters and so that they can see hey look i'm dumb. i'm not the only one because at the top it's very lonely as you know that it's very lonely and uh, I, I built it specifically for go- other Golden Door winners, top one percenters in the industry. And, um, yeah, so, you know, they, they read a lot. They're very disciplined. Uh, they they was Not not all of them had, like, the same routine every day. Some of them had routines. Some of them didn't. So it was, like, 50-50. Like, you didn't have to have what the gurus on the Internet tell you to do. Um, you have to have this, like, you know, built-out Sunday planning every single day, goals. But, and some of them did. And it was cool to learn that, what they did. Some, some of them didn't. I think most of them didn't have that. But – what they were about, most of them were about, was that they had a consistency of what they ate when they went to bed, the top ones. So they had a consistency. They ate the same thing every single day or every single week, whatever. They all were in the gym. Um, over 90% of them were in the gym. Um, they they all had some some level of like either uh, like coaching or, or mentorship. They Every single one of them had somebody that they were, they were competing with. It was like a running mate. They all had a running mate. Um, and then uh, I guess the, the last one there is, yeah they they they're just regular people dude they are just regular people that some of them are rookies, some of them are vets, you know the ones that hit multiple years in a row you're just like these guys are just just waking up and doing the same thing like uh, you know Ashton Buzzwell says it he's, he says one of my the one that the, the show that's reached the most views um, he said, um, you know don't let the highs be too high and don't let the lows be too low and You know, these guys, they just, they anticipate, they anticipate cancels, they anticipate things going wrong and they don't get, they don't get knocked off. They don't get too emotional about it. They just know, I just got to go hit the numbers again. They just reverse engineer it. I'm going to hit 200 deals this year, you know, and they
0: just reverse engineered how how it was going to work and they just stuck to the plan. Yeah. I really like what you said there at the end. Uh, Stoism, you know, stoism is something that I've brought into my practices and philosophies over the last two to three years. Um, because looking back at my own life in terms of success, right, because I think it's important to take audit and figure out what's working, what's not working, what things are serving me, what things aren't. And self-awareness allows you to also be a good leader and help other people. Because most of the time when you see someone who's super successful, if they're not super intentional or if they're not reflecting that often, they're unconscious on how they get there. So when they try and teach someone else how they've got there, they aren't giving the best Uh, support as they could because they don't truly know how they got there because it's more unconscious. So when you can break that down, I think it's really, really important. And stoicism for me uh, is something that served me massively. And, you know, I think when it comes to success, and I wouldn't even call this just in direct sales or door to door, but I think in life and business, the most successful people are the people that have full control, maybe not full control, but have the most control over their emotions. Because as we all know, there's going to be peaks and valleys. There's going to be, you know, winters and summer. There's going to be great times and, and bad times. But the people that don't dwell in the valleys the longest are typically the ones that will get the next at-bat uh, quicker. And I think that's a trained skill set. And I think your attitude and your emotional intelligence and your focus and what you allow yourself to get down all highly correlate to how successful an individual is, especially in a high emotional industry like sales and door to door. Yeah. When it comes to investing, Mikey, cause I know you're a big investment guy, you know, four or five years ago we talked about it, which is crazy, it seems so long. Especially in our industry of direct sales and door-to-door, why do you think more high successful solar people specifically aren't financially literate and why aren't they doing the things to get there?
1: Um, I think the root of the problem is how they were recruited and then leadership. Um, How they were recruited in, they were recruited in, come make a bunch of money and then their leadership. They're, They're following sheep, sheep following other sheep. And they're leading them to the slaughter. And they're walking right off a cliff. And it's really unfortunate, brother. I was really pissed off the other day. I posted on Instagram. And I was like, dude, I'm freaking sick of this lie. This is BS. Where's the, where's the solar millionaires at? Where, where are they at? Please raise your hand. Where are you at? Who's the guys that made the millions and kept it? You're obviously one of them. I'm one of them as well. But like, there's, there's just few of us. You know, There's definitely less than 50 that I know of. And I'm like, where are these guys all at? Why, what's, why everyone's making all this money. Where's it at? So... Um, I think the root cause is leadership. I think they're, you know, it's like the law of the picture. Monkey see, monkey do. If your leader is not investing in creating generational wealth, mitigating these taxes, understanding what trusts are, investing like a billionaire, not like a millionaire, then they're going to do the same thing. And they're encouraging them to go buy cars that are way out of budget so that they can, can, uh, I guess. Recruit more. Yeah, recruit more or whatever. It's like, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, we've you've obviously had really nice cars. I've had nice cars in my career as well, and um, you know the the cars are really cool. But what's cooler is thirty thousand dollars a month of passive income right now. That's what I got. What's cool is putting up orphan putting up panels on an orphanage, on a women's shelter, on a refugee center. That that to me is what's really cool. So again, these guys are how they're recruited, the leadership, monkey see monkey do, the law of the picture, and they don't they don't know why they're doing it. They're doing it because it's like very short sighted goals. I want to, the American dream, I want to get a, 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 a you know, you know 3,000 square foot house, white picket fence, two and a half kids, dog named Charlie, and get married. And then, like, there's nothing after that. So the leaders, it's really the leaders that are doing the worst job ever. And it really pisses me off. And they think that they're, like, you know, they think that they're great because they can make their guys, you know, $250,000, $300,000 a year, $500,000 a year. Some guys a million dollars a year. And you're like, you just cut a check for $400,000 to the government. That's winning. To me, that's not winning.
0: Yeah. No, I'd agree with you, man. I, I think it's one of the biggest challenges um, young people face, not just our industry, but young people, uh, because there's, there's not enough long-term thinking. There's not enough financial literacy out there. Sure, you have your financial advisors, and they do the best they can. But for me, I, I heard this, and it really resonated with me. I think there's four different types of motivation, and I'm, I'm curious if you agree or if you would challenge one of them. Uh, the first one is survival. People are motivated at first and I know I can definitely relate. You start a new job, you start a new industry, you start a new career, let's call it solar, and you're motivated by survival, right? You got to pay the bills, you need to take care of the people that take care of you, you need uh, the basic necessities, We've all been in a situation where we have that commission breath or we're desperate and we need to go and out there and perform. Hopefully most people get out of that stage, especially in America. There's not as much of that with all the opportunity we have. And then most people fall into the second motivation. And unfortunately they stay there for too long, which is monetary. Now they're motivated by a new car, a new house, a new watch, nicer lifestyle, nicer dinners, more travel. And there's nothing wrong with any of that to your point, but That can't be your motivation forever. There needs to be a certain point for me, after I made $100,000 in a year, I quickly realized $100,000 isn't going to change my life. It's not going to allow me to retire. It's not going to allow me to support my parents. So I had to quickly shift from, hey, I want a new car, a new house to financial freedom, which is, I believe, the third motivation, which is where I'm at right now. Now I'm motivated by passive income. I'm motivated by investments. What fires me up now is, hey, I need X amount of capital to deploy into this investment that will create X amount of recurring income, which will allow me to get closer to my freedom number um, which is ultimately should be everyone's goal right because no one gets into sales to get by they do it to get ahead and the only way to get ahead is to make yourself take care of yourself so well that once solar sales or whatever industry you're done with is over you're in a much better situation and you can you know whatever that new opportunity is you're going to be able to get to so third and then the fourth one I think is legacy or impact, right? It's the the eight, nine, ten figure earners, right? The Ed Milettes, the Grant Cardones, all these people who have more money than they know what to do with, but they're still out there hustling like they're broken. They have you know no money in the bank, and that's because they're they're pulled and driven by a higher force, which is legacy to create something uh, that's going to surpass long after they're gone. And I think most people get stuck on that second motivation, which is monetary, especially in our industry. And unless you're able to shift out of that, you're going to continue to be in the rat race. And I would agree with you, man. I think most leaders want their salespeople broke because of course they're not going to teach them financial literacy because when they have more money in the bank, chances are they're going to be less motivated to go out there and work, which is keeping your people hungry, um, in a, Non great way, uh, which will go out there and have them produce more,
1: yeah. It's sick. Why do they do that? It's limiting your people, and they think that that's going to work. How is that working for you, bud?
0: Yeah, it's not
1: clearly. I mean, it's not. No, I, I agree with all of those. 100%. I
0: don't, I don't, I don't
1: uh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with any of them. I think, uh, most people stick in the between one and two, you know, survival to monetary. Um, you I mean you can only. I mean we talk about retiring and financial freedom all the time, you know, but um you know, you could really like I was telling you earlier I was like to my honeymoon like you can only really stay in you know vacation mode for so long and if you ask any billionaire they'll tell you the exact same thing. You know, you 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 you're, you're, you're going eventually going to destroy yourself. You either drink yourself off a cliff, take too much drugs and die or, you know, end up, you know, saying some dumb crap to your wife and cuz you're drunk cuz it's you know you're on a 15 day binger cuz you can't you have no responsibility. It's like men; we are designed to work. I don't think uh, I don't think we should, in theory, retire. Um, but but having financial, having choices, having financial freedom, having choices, really is what I think most millennials want. And again, I think it's great. Again, I don't think uh, I don't think traveling, I don't think things are inherently evil. But I I don't I think what is what is happening is that people are being controlled by the things instead of controlling the things. Mm. So they're being controlled by, and that's where it becomes the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money is just a great tool, man. Money is an awesome tool. You know, they call you to to build the orphanage. You know, why? do you, Why? Because you got money. You know, they don't call you to come and build it. They tell, call you to finance it. Yeah. Why? Because you have the money. You're in that
0: different stage of your life. 100% man. I agree with you. Mikey, as long as I've known you, man, you've always been a very driven um, individual. You've always had a lot of stuff going on, always looking for that next thing, always looking to level up um, and always extremely focused, extremely disciplined, disciplined um, and going after your goals and dreams. Where does that come from? Where does the drive and the inspiration come from and how do people get more of that? Miss to mortgage payments.
1: Steven, I missed two mortgage payments in
0: 2018.
1: I was, I mean, and then I got, I was embarrassed. I actually technically would have missed three. I had to borrow money from a guy named Danny and a brother of mine. And uh, yeah, I missed two, I missed two mortgage payments that uh, I don't know what else is going to motivate you. Um, where did that come from? I and mean, obviously there's more than that, but to get that initial spark, I missed two mortgage payments, bro. Hmm. I don't never want to feel that ever again. It's like going back to jail. I'm never going back, bro. That stuff stinks, bro. Never going back. I'm not, I'm not never going back. I'm good. I'm not going to put myself in a situation ever again to even get remotely close to that. It's not a line. I don't tell the gray line. what. No, like I'm just different direction. That's the direction of jail or prison. That's direction of missing mortgage payments, missing car payments. This is the direction of lifestyle choices and freedom and impact.
0: Missed two mortgage payments. Mm. Do you, do you leverage fear for, for motivation? depends on what you mean. What kind of fear are you talking about? Like for me, you know, from what it sounds like, sometimes you have to touch the hot stove to know that you don't want to do that again. So in my career, I've always leveraged fear or knowing where I don't want to go to keep me focused and aligned on where I do want to go. And sometimes, you know, the whole positive thinking, which I believe a lot, doesn't support this, but sometimes I have to think about worst case scenarios in my life if I feel like I'm going into some type of complacency in order to remind myself why I'm doing this in the first place.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's like levels of, of motivation. So there's like, you know, you have your AA battery, you have your car battery, you have your Tesla battery, and then you have like, you know, your, your, uh, your uh, what does Tesla call it? The uh, power pack you know, the one that will can power a whole building, kind of thing, targets right. You know that level of motivation. Um, I think, I think the fear. I think what what you're trying to say, and so I want people to understand this, is that I think what you're saying is the fear of public humiliation, which is ultimately like what, if you can call a spade what it is, a spade a spade. It's really public humiliation, right? If you put out that you're going to go out and you know become a billionaire and put up all these solar panels on orphanages all over the United all over the United States and all over the world. You know, I I don't want to have to come back and, you know, sleep with. I didn't do that. So yeah, there's definitely a leverage of fear there for sure, 100%. Is it the thing that really gets me going? No, it's the thing that it's one of the one of the many things that keeps me going. Like one of the many things. Another thing I would just be really quick on. I I talk about this a lot is um, what kept me sober in the first like three years because that was like the hardest time. um, Was my ex girlfriend, that girl. parents very successful ceo of this major transportation company and i knew that um, the mom said that you know said to my ex-girlfriend that you know he's just gonna be just like his dad when he grows up and Mm. then she relayed that to me not that her mom said that but it was clear that she didn't think that but she was being influenced to say that and so now it's a i have this fear of "Ah, see we told you we told you see Susie, i told you right we were right about mikey and I'm talking like when I'm 40, 50, 60, that will still be there. And I, I, I think people need to to leverage that. So yeah, I fear them being right about me, for sure. It's not the thing that keeps that like gets me going, or even keeps me going. But it's a it's an element, it's a potion, it's a formula that 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 gets me there. And that that, I mean, recently I just put on my wall. I just moved uh, apartments, and uh, I wrote on on a sticky on a sticky um, note on my on my uh, my third screen. It says. They really want you to fail, Mikey. They really want you to fail. So when I'm tired and I don't want to go to the gym, I don't want to do those extra calls, I don't want to build out whatever, They want, don't forget they want you to fail. That's why That's why I love going to events because I'm seeing all the guys that want me to fail. I'm like, they really want you to go sleep on the couch and catch up on YouTube and go watch the Vegas Golden Knights replays 10 times. They want you to chill, Mikey. They want you to win. They want you to lose. Sorry.
0: I love that, man. That chip on the shoulder mentality is important. It's important to continue to have that fire and that drive because as you know as you continue to evolve in your career and your business you know new levels new devils and a lot of times once you get to a level where you know you're comfortable or you don't have to worry about paying the bills or you've maybe hit some of your old whys or reasons for doing this in the first place, if you don't continue to evolve those reasons and evolve those whys, and maybe some of them are a little bit more uh, you know, positive than others, but having an arsenal of reasons that evolve as you evolve are so important, or that's why people max out their income. That's when people make 200000 $300,000 a year. Maybe they they plateau because they stopped doing the thing or they stopped having the desire that got them to that place in the first place. And to go from 60K to 200K is a lot different to go from 200K to 500K or 500K to a million. And you have to keep developing these new reasons and continuing to find these new things to pull you forward. So I, uh, thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're a really good networker. I uh you know a lot of people that I know, but it just seems like you're always in different circles, you always have a lot going on, you always know this person that knows this person. Why is networking so valuable and are there any tips that you can share to help people become a better networker?
1: Best thing I was ever told, paying uh, I would say this would be $30,000 advice is when you're in a group, whether it's your company, um your office or you're in a mastermind or even in your family. Um, your goal should be to deposit more than you withdraw. And I think it's a shame that we have taken this book, this great, awesome, phenomenal book of how to win friends and influence people. Mm. And we have now turned it from how do we mentor people to now how do we leverage people? And that pisses me off, Stephen. Mm. And people realize, don't realize rather, they're, they're unconscious or however you say it. My wife changes, my wife tells me, like, I don't say it correctly. I don't, I don't know what the word, it's subconscious, unconscious, whatever. Something. They don't know that they're doing it, But they're they're doing it with the wrong motive, which, again, goes back to the clarity thing. They're in this thing for the wrong reasons. You're in this because you think the Ferrari is going to make you feel better about yourself because it's all about respect. No. So the $30,000 advice is is deposit more than you withdraw. And also ask the questions because I can almost guarantee you that most people in that office, most people in that room are actually thinking the same thing. They just won't ask because there is no stupid question. I mean, in, in retrospect, um, but most people like v- be vulnerable. You got to be vulnerable. You gotta be like, hey man, like, what, what do you like? Oh, uh, investing in real estate. Like, the, well, the last big one that I did was I could see I was, this is a real estate mastermind, mostly real estate mastermind. And I asked uh, Mikey uh, Taylor, and he was there. He was, it was a Cole Hatters mastermind, and uh, he like said, hey, you know, gave the fire, bro, how to do this, all this, you know, how to invest in real estate, everything. And I was like. Hey, man, um, because he, at the end, he was like, Yeah, I'll stick around, blah, blah. blah. I was like, Hey, man, if you want to stick around, can you break that down for us? Like, I, and I got, and I was like, I have deals that I can show you because I get deals thrown at my desk all the time. I was like, I got the exact deal. I got multiple deals. He's like, Yeah, I can actually do that. And it was like the best takeaway for everybody. And I'm like, I didn't end up buying that one property, but still, I was like, You got to ask questions. So just understand that there really is no stupid question. Um, And then I would say the third thing or whatever the fourth thing is, um, third or fourth, whatever I'm at now. is I didn't ask uh, Dan Fleischman, Cody Sperber, Cole Hatter, Ryan Stuman, Ed Milette, Andy Frisella. I didn't ask them how to make more money. I asked them, how do you create synthetic struggle for your kids? How do you um, be a top performer and still have a thriving relationship with your wife? Mm. How do you do that? Because statistically speaking, it's like 50% of people, marriages end in divorce, it's like over 80% in entrepreneurship. So I asked them, hey, what are you doing? And again, some of them have successful marriages. Some of them have been married a few times. And I go, "Cool, man. You can learn." My dad's been married three times, and I can learn a lot of what to do and a lot of what not to do, brother. And so I don't ask them really, "How do I make more money?" Because I know how to make more money. It's it's or how to you know I, you know you know maybe asking them like SOPS or whatever stuff like that, like how to build culture and recruit and whatever. But really, I I what got Mikey Lucas respect in those groups is I care more about, hey man, how do you? I'm married now or I'm about to get married now. And they care more about family rather than like Mikey with the cool cars and the cool vacations, whatever.
0: Mm. That is some sound advice, my friend. I, I I really like that because I think they all bleed into each other. Yeah, everyone wants to make more money. But by doing that, one, you're probably going to ask them a question they haven't heard before. So that's going to stick with them. And two, really, all the life stuff typically bleeds into all the business stuff. You know, I heard a great quote. It says, you're not struggling in business, you're struggling in life. And that life struggle is affecting your business. So, and really, as long as you can get your life right, typically your business is a reflection of how everything is going. So, when it does come to work-life balance, because this is a question that I get asked a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. Mm -hmm where is the balance? Is balance a thing? Is balance not a thing? I have my own philosophy on it, but you're a you know, newly husband. You're not, a, not a, a dad yet, but I know it's probably something you want to do in the future. What does that work-life balance look like? How are you still effective in business while also catering to your relationships and your personal life?
1: Steven, it is so important for me to track uh, how much time I'm fighting with my wife, how much time I'm spending time quality time with my wife, how much time I'm hanging out with family and friends with my wife, how much time I'm doing spiritual time with my wife, how much time I'm dream building with my wife. I track about eight things individually with my wife uh, to a micro action. Hanging out on the phone, quality time, fighting, dogs, spiritual time, uh, dream building, uh, family and friends, hanging out with her. If it's important to you, Stephen, you'll track it. You can't manage anything that you're not tracking. So over the last, I think it's been four years now, I've tracked over seventy percent of what I've what I've done in my waking hours. The last year was eighty six percent, eighty six percent. It was like eighty five something. I know what I did in the sixteen hours that I was up to a micro action. And if it's important to you, you'll track it. For instance, for you, tracking how much time you're spending with your top twenty percent. Why? Because I think it's is a Pareto's principle. Um, it's you know eighty percent, twenty percent of the twenty percent of the, the the sales leaders is going to do eighty percent of the work. So you should be spending 80% of your time on the top 20%. And a lot of guys, I mean, it's like, I'm like this guru now. I'm like, no, you just implement the things that the gurus told you to do. And that's how it works. But practically speaking, how do you do it in solar? Okay, cool. Well, you do Pareto's principle and spend 80% of the time on the top guys. So, Stephen, it's, it's all about if you care about it, you'll track it. And if you don't, then, you know, you won't. And uh, nobody signed up and said, I can't wait to get a divorce. I'm so excited. Same thing in, in school. I can't wait to get all F's. I actually learned from Eric, Eric Thomas. He goes, Nobody signed, nobody went to started college and said, I can't wait to get all F's. It's the same thing in marriage. Nobody signed up and said, I can't wait to get a divorce. I'm so excited to have to split up the whole family and to freaking ruin life for like five years or whatever it's gonna, you know, like, or I can't wait to, to have to shut this damn office down because I'm gonna be a crappy leader. It's like nobody did that, but they're not tracking the things that actually make them successful. And yeah, I think that's
0: that's the that's the nugget, Steven. That's powerful, man. When it comes to tracking, how do your routines affect your day and what specific routines do you have to stay efficient, stay alert, stay present, and make sure you're maximizing? Cause I know how meticulous you are. And I feel like the only way someone could be as high as a performer and as efficient is if obviously they're tracking and making sure their calendar is stacked mm-hmm. um, effectively, but also certain things to make sure their batteries are charged to make sure they're showing up in the best way.
1: Yeah, so again, having clarity on what you want. So what kind of a marriage do you want? You know, Do you want to date your wife once a week, twice a week, once a month? What's actually going to work for you? What did you sign up for? So having clarity on that. Um, and right now, I, I, I've changed it quite a few times because I'm just learning and adapting and it's a really fun journey, but I now break my days into three days. I used to break it into two days, i now break them into three days. I uh, do what Ed Milet taught me is you break it, you know, you have your morning, you win your morning, and then you have your midday, and then you have your, your, your late afternoon, evening. Um, and it's kind of four days because oftentimes it's not really a day. It's more like a shift mm. because I'll have, when Ryan gets off of work at 7, I'll, I'll do my very best if I can to crank all the way to 7 o'clock and then start to wind down, clean the house, make sure the house is all, like, just minor things like she wants the cushions like up, like she cares about those things. So I'll go like, if the dogs like ran around or whatever, I'll put the cushions back up on the couch, whatever, and make sure the dishes, my shaker bottle seven and one day or clean or mm-hmm. in the dishwasher, whatever little minor things. So I try to be as present as, po- as I possibly can. But yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> again, these top performers, like the gurus on the internet, Steven, they talk about, you know, have this, you know, just crazy structure. It's like, dude, just lower the bar of expectation and just try something use apps, you know, you can use streaks, habits, um, a tracker and just track something, you know, Jim Rohn, or I think it was Jim Rohn. No, no, no it was uh Darren Hardy in a uh, compound effect said to track, have a notebook with you and track something for seven days, whether that's where every dollar you're spending goes so that you can become aware of it. What every thing you put in your mouth goes so you can become aware of it. Uh, I think people just, again, they're not, they're not a, they don't have any clarity on what's actually happening. Yeah. So yeah, I have, I, I might, my, my focus and core values in my company is efficient, effective, and productive. That's one of them. How to become more efficient, effective, and productive? And, and if if we're not making things more efficient, effective, and productive, we're not we're not. First of all, we're not failing enough. And two, you know, we're we're not we're not going to we can't reach the people we want to reach if we're not as efficient, efficient, effective, and productive. It's the big three in
0: my business. Mm, I love that, man. How do you break an employee mindset? Because as you're as you're speaking here right now you are someone who takes full ownership over their accountability, over their life, over their marriage, over their business. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you can't be at uh, the effect of other people. You have to be the cause of that to create that effect. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people out there are so conditioned uh, as an employee from growing up in elementary school to high school and being conditioned by a bell when you could go to the bathroom, when you can eat, and then you go into college and then you go into the workforce and there's more conditioning. And then they try and go start a business or they try and get into direct sales or they try to do something that's a little untraditional and they fail because they can't do those three principles that you just talked about. What's some things to help break that? A
1: leader needs to be able to pour into them you need to have somebody that you work for you can go work for that can pour into you and and tell you steven you how much potential you have how much impact you're going to make in this world like how much of a great father you're going to be how much of a great husband you're going to be you need that in your life you need people like that if you're not you need to go make less money at another company and get around people that actually see the positive in you and you need to be around that and you, it's not about the money brother because again once you get there you're gonna lose all the money because at that point it's alone. Again, I already told you it's a lonely road on top, brother. Lonely up here. You need to be around people that are, that I can actually see that in you. How do you break the employee mindset? Um, I don't know, dude, I'm an employee. I am an employee. I treat myself like an employee. I think yeah. it's good for you. I think it's actually great for you. I don't think you should break that. So I actually disagree. Um, I treat myself like an employee because I want to do the easy things and I'm accountable to my business and businesses and all of my employees people right team um to make sure that uh, i show up for that you know 80 hours a week and if i show up for the eight hours a week i clock in and clock out i am an employee so when i'm on i'm on when i'm doing that job i am an employee steven i don't i treat myself just like um anything else and i pay myself a wt wage actually as well because i want to make it feel like i just got to do the work just get back to work so uh, I, I don't know I, I think i think you need to be an employee actually because at the end of the day, it's like we're all our own boss. And if you don't have discipline to work 40 hours or 80 hours like we do, 100 hours like you do, you're going to work 20. And then you're going to make 150 grand. And you're like, I made it. It's like, no, you suck. You did not make it. You just spent all of that.
0: It's facts. Man's out here spinning facts. Mikey, when it comes to sales, I feel like you're a natural born sales guy. Um, I feel like it's in your DNA. And for me, I feel like I I had to do a lot of inner work as we both did um, in order to get to where we are. But sales is something that has continued to um, impact my life and not just sales, communication, influence, persuasion, which you can all umbrella under sales, but obviously they're different arts. Why are sales important? How can someone get better at sales? And why is it necessary coming up in today's world to get good at communication and sales?
1: Because everything you're doing is a sale. And I know that that sounds cliche, but it's very true. Um, for instance, I have to, even though I'm sexy, I still have to convince my wife to have sex with me. So, I, I mean, I, I, you, can, I be real, can I be real in the podcast? Is nice. that okay? Um, y- you have to still convince your wife to, you know, make you food. Like, sometimes she doesn't want to do that, right? You still have to sell her on that, whatever, that task. You have to still sell your wife on the vision of, that you're gonna be the man that's gonna get her to where she wants to be. You, sh- you have to sell her on the vision. Um, I think people should need to get into sales. Uh, understand that everything's a sale: communication, negotiation. Um, yeah, dude, because everything's a sale, dude. Like when you go to a restaurant and you know the the, the manager, you know, or the waiter, you know, messes up, you got to be able to know how to negotiate through that. I think the main thing, first step, if people are listening to this now and they've made it this far on the show, um, which I hope you have is stay calm when you're at a restaurant, you're at a hotel, stay calm. Like when, when you're trying to get something, stay calm. Most people's pitch gets higher and higher and higher, which is really funny. I do like, I don't, I don't, I've got a lot of like those, uh, those funny like TikToks and reels that I do like a toe touch and and I I imitate somebody on the first week, first month, or like a first year sales rep on a door and talk about how high they're, Pitches on the door. Hi, my name's Mikey. Would you like solar today? Right, you're you're pre-qualified because your roof is south facing. Um, yeah. So stay calm in in those sales, and it's fun because, <laughs> dude, my wife, <laughs> she's starting to see it a lot more now. But like, I'll get I'll get upgrades to everything we go to. I mean, almost everything we go to, I'll get upgrades to because I'm not afraid of failing. I don't really care. It's like, oh well, I just don't want to live in. The, I don't want to sleep in that bed in that hotel room thinking I could have asked for the upgraded room and one of my famous lines in a hotel if you guys want to do this is uh, seems like you guys are real busy no we're actually not it's my favorite response oh really how long you guys how long you been here for now and then boom boom, boom whatever whatever no nah, no nah, nah, cool last name's Lucas nah, nah, nah. I'm gonna be your worst you know I'm gonna be your hardest you know guest today I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for an upgrade uh, or whatever and that's pretty much what I go with and I, I've actually filmed a few of them um, but yeah, you know, that's, uh, you know, if you ask in a, in a, hotel room or on the plane, you know, you guys are, we're looking pretty full, aren't we? We're looking, you guys are really busy. No, 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 not at all. Or whatever. So, um, sales, I think one of the main things Steven comes down to is repetition. Um, and just doing it like guys in door to door sales are just, or in real estate, they're just not respecting the, the art. Mm-hmm. And that's very frustrating They're not respecting the art and it's like so disrespectful for everyone that's paved this path for them getting the solar in the last couple of years. So disrespectful. Um, I mean, you know, I've read pitch anything 72 times, studied that thing and taught it. Um, There's, there's never split the difference read over 40 times, studied it and taught it. Um, You know, way of the wolf, exactly what to say. I mean, tons of psychology of selling tons of these sales books I have studied. And again, I don't want to tell you, it's like, you're not great at communicating, negotiating because you don't study it. You, you've read it once and then you put the book down. No wonder why you suck. Can't get deals. Can't get referrals. I built a fifty-two point six percent referral business, Stephen. You also don't do that with commission breath. I'm okay, and I've also paid with. I've also paid people to go solar. But I also have legs of referrals that are like, you know,
0: 10, 20, 30 people deep. It's powerful stuff, man. Sales. Get good at it. Repetition. Mikey, I got a couple more questions to you to piggyback off uh, the solar industry because I'm very curious about this. So me and you both started around the same time. I think you maybe started, you know, about a year. I started in 2015. I think you started in 2014. Yeah, solar in 14. When we both started, commissions were a lot less than they are right now. One, we're six, at. 155 a kilowatt. 155 Self-gen- kilowatt for you guys solar out there, as you know. right? I started, it was about $200 a kilowatt, 225 maybe if you're a manager. As the industry has grown, commissions have obviously grown as well. People out there can go make six, seven, eight, nine thousand $9,000 a kilowatt. My question for you, Mikey, even though commission pay scales – have increased two, three, four, five, sometimes X in the last five, six, seven years. Why do you think a lot of solar people are still making the same income? Well, they don't have an
1: exit strategy. And that's why they pay me six figures a year to teach them that. They don't have an exit strategy, Stephen. They're okay with making 20 grand a month. I'm like, I got, I spent 20 grand last week on my Amex. Like, uh. You know they don't they don't have again clarity going back to the clarity thing, Stephen. They don't have clarity on where they're going to go. So everyone thinks, and, and not only that, it goes back to uh, dealers, CPCs, managers. They're afraid to lose their guys and girls um, because of lack of uh, sales. So at Solar City Tesla, it was seven minimum. So if you weren't hitting seven in our office, we were the number one office, number one, number two office depending on the month. Um, we are eight minimum. So if you didn't hit eight, you were on put on a pip performance proven plan. So our our office I think did an average of eleven deals uh, a month, and uh, so we were we were hitters, man. And you know, I think guys are I think guys are um, selling less because it's hard. It's harder probably. It's definitely a little bit harder. Um. And. No, I don't. I don't think commissions really has much to do with it. I think that's that's something to do with it, but I think it's just a little bit harder. And then again, back to leadership, they're not a leader is not pointing in the direction of this is what financial freedom is actually going to get to you. They don't have a negative strategy, which is why why I made a whole business on that. Why I teach Golden Door guys how to go from one hundred thirty to 260, 000, uh, 260 deals a year, how to go from five hundred thousand dollars a year to a million dollars a year, how to go from ten percent twenty percent referral to fifty sixty percent referral,
0: and uh, yeah, it's. It's fairly easy. It's just minor tweaks. Love that, man. Mikey, you've been awesome, bro. But my last question for you as we're wrapping up. If Mikey Lucas today in, what are we, June? No, May of 2023 had to start all over, what would that look like? Love that question.
1: If I lost everything and uh, had to start all over, um, I would, I mean, kind of a, broad question, but I I would, I would, I'm going to get specific with it. I would, um, go and work for a sunder company like, like you, with you, I would go where I would know where I would go, where I know I can get paid. I would go become a setter, not a closer, but a setter. Um, if I had bills right away, I would go become a setter right away. I would buy if I could, or borrow a razor scooter and a scooter door to door become a setter and set as set as many deals for Daniel Hadobas as I possibly could. (laughs) Shout out Daniel. I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm being actually serious. I, 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 no, I'm not kidding. Like I tell people that all the time. Like, Hey, what I'm going to teach you is if I were to, if I had to start all over and start all over again, start fresh, this is the advice I'm going to give you. It's a powerful, it's a powerful statement. If I had to start all over, that's what I would do. I would start there. Um, and then dude, get right back on my feet, start, you know, getting back into groups, proximity start investing again, um, start trying to automate, you know, automate the investment process, you know, taking 10% out, putting it to the church, 10% out, 20% out, putting it to uh, investments and start all over again, start from the basics. But again, I'm already doing that now. So I don't, I don't I'll, I'm going to knock doors
0: right now. i will go knock knock a neighbor's door right now. Let's get as, long it. As, I can, as long as Daniel will close it. Hey, they already signed up. So you're uh, good. Let's
1: go. <laughs> the two doors down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> They're a renter, I bet. Awesome answer, man. I, I love asking people that question because I'm a true believer that the real value, the real currency is the mind. It's the attitude. It's the perspective, the life experience. So we know all the time that there's multimillionaires, you know, billionaires sometimes that have to go bankrupt. They have to start all over and they typically end up getting it right back. Because I think a wise man once said, if all the money in the world was distributed equally to everyone on the planet, that within five years, the successful people would all find that money back. And I believe that. I believe that money is created through the mind, success, abundance, joy, fulfillment is all created through perspective and mindset and attitude. And once you have that, it doesn't matter the vehicle Uh, It doesn't matter the circumstances. You can get it back because the value that you add to the marketplace is equivalent to that. hundred percent. Go be a setter. Let's go. Shout out Daniel, baby. (laughs) Uh, Mikey, you've been awesome, bro. Uh, We're coming up on that hour. Mark, where can the audience find you if they want to absorb some of your content and potentially even, uh, you know, do some business with you?
1: Dude, I've got tons of resources. uh, Mikey Lucas.com tons of free resources there for, for sales guys, for entrepreneurs wanting to get into uh, personal finance. I've got tons of free resources there. You guys can go download everything there. Uh, my fund is AmericanAndrewFund.io. If they want to learn about investing into um, what what billionaires invest into, AmericanAndrewFund.io. I'm all over Instagram, TikTok. It's Mikey Lucas, yes Be careful. There is uh, there's like a hundred Mikeys out there. So the one with the blue check is me on Instagram. I will never ask you for a pot, uh, for a Bitcoin Bitcoin
0: money. I don't I don't do that. Yeah, I have a lot of invested in Bitcoin, but I don't ever ask for Bitcoin money. <laughs> awesome. Definitely go check out Mikey Lucas. Again, do not give him Bitcoin if he asks for it. And uh bro, you've been awesome. Appreciate you having on the show. Appreciate it, brother. See you guys next time.